you see on CW contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. I love you. My name is Oliver Queen. You died. I went to your panel. The city is saving. What? How are we going to do this? Not time. on CW, the Legends of Tomorrow edition. I am Michael Flores, and I will be your host for today. And here along with me is Bobby. Hello. Hello, hello. And Lauren. Hello. Hello. All right. So today we're going to break down the latest Legends episode titled Witch Hunt, which is the second episode of the fourth season. This week's episode was yet another fun and over-the-top episode, which at this point, that's the norm for Legends, right? I mean, that's the standard. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I look forward to. Yeah. yeah that's, that's what I, I like this show. I think it's to be expected <laughs> at this point. Like, th- this is the norm. Uh, and I don't think most of the people that watch the show care. I think that's exactly what you just said, Bob. I think a lot of people feel the exact same way. It's a, it's a show that just is a feel good, funny show. Setting aside the humor for a moment, uh, we had John Constantine's sudden appearance on The Wave Rider which might signal that John is scared of something and he realizes that he will need the legend's help if he is to survive. The writers also seem to be preparing the audience for what looks like could be, or maybe signal, another legend's departure uh, with potentially Nate leaving the legend's crew. Not sure if that means the show or just simply taking his character arc down an unexpected path. Uh, And of course, we saw Zari. (laughs) Yeah, and we, sorry. In true Legends fashion, when she did not give two fucks about potentially disrupting the timeline yet I will, again. I will burn this whole history thing down. I will burn this earth down. <laughs> she was my, vicious. My goal was to save every woman from here on to the future. I was actually more afraid of her than any of the villains we've had in the show. I'm pretty sure she's the villain of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The way those villagers looked at her, Yeah. I was terrified. She's very militant. Mm, I'm not sure how I feel about her. And we're going to talk about that quite a bit because it's not an issue I have. I was a little thrown off because I thought we already dealt with this last season. I thought Sari put those issues to bed, but it seems to be resurfacing. I'm, I'm hoping it was just for the purpose of this episode because been there, done that. That was probably my only nitpick. But other than that, everything worked out pretty good. So there's a lot to talk about this week on Dissect, but before we get into all of that, let's talk news and updates, and that will take us to a discussion on the Legends Season 4 ratings, and whether or not we should start to worry. I didn't think we had to worry about this, but surprisingly, last week's season premiere nearly dropped by 50% from last year's premiere. That's a big number, and I'd be interested in seeing what the alternative viewing brought in, but I doubt it would adjust or come out to being anywhere near what it needs to be. Last year's premiere had a little over 1.7 million viewers, opposed to this year's that was roughly around 900,000, not even a million. And this number is already plus seven day. 900,000 people. And this week's episode dropped another 5%. Good. That's not good at all. But we, we've kind of talked about it a little bit on some of our other shows. None of us watch it on live TV or TVR numbers. Right. We're all at people. I, I Yeah, and that's the way of the future. And that's why the rating systems need to adjust. And this is something we talk about at least two or three times a year on these shows. But... Shows still get canceled for these types of numbers, whether or not you're watching it on a streaming platform or not, because these are the numbers that matter. That's why just last week, 
uh, on a show that I won't mention, an, an actor was being interviewed. And the thing they always say is, guys, please, no DVRs. Watch this live. That's what, that's what they need. That's what those uh, advertising companies want to cash in on is, is those, are those live numbers. So although this is common for a show, shows do drop as they get older a bit from year to year. This is a massive drop. And if I were a TV executive, I would be a tad bit concerned. We'd have to kind of go back and see what exactly happened. Um, the first season average was well over 2 million. Uh, the second season average was 1.8 million. And last year's overall average was 1.5. Now, the CW has kept shows on with ratings even lower than that. But they usually started to make arrangements to close them out. They started adjusting the writing to set up an ending, whether it be an arc that would last one to two seasons. But I can't imagine a show that relies on big visual effects like this show. I can't see them staying around and bringing numbers like that. Yeah. It just, it just from a business standpoint, it doesn't matter how much the CW loves them and how great the fucking show is because it is. You know, if the if the numbers aren't there, then we're not going to get the budget for it. It's such a frustrating thing to watch happen because Isn't it's it? it's like it's like you know Constantine and stuff like that. The, the show is great. Yeah, what are you doing? It doesn't make sense. And even more unsettling is that Constantine is a season regular <laughs> this season, and, and they can blame him. Like I, that's what's going to happen. Uh, and, and I should there's got to be a fall guy. Yeah, I mean, and he should have had a big impact on the numbers, which is fucking i i i'm lost i'm at a loss for words because that doesn't even make sense with all the public outcry bring back constantine you know the premiere should have been much higher and i know firsthand that some constantine fans have said they tried to watch last year and they just couldn't get behind the silliness of it all so maybe the constantine fans are just saying are having they're just simply having a hard time adapting to the style of this show. Well, I mean, I would buy that. Yeah. And you think about last year, we had the cliffhanger of going back to Los Angeles and dinosaurs and all yeah. that other stuff. And we didn't really have it this year. We had a dragon head and them sitting on Aruba beach right. and being like, there's magical stuff that we got to deal with. Yeah. Not knowing really what was happening. <laughs> and then they go and they deal with that stuff. And then yeah. they do it, you know, off camera before the season starts. So yeah. It's it's frustrating. So who knows? But if we don't get these live numbers up, a Constantine solo show will never see the light of day. But I, I I think that CW being like the more younger network, let's say. Right. It understands what goes on with the app views. For sure. Because we've noticed, and I'm sure you have too, that I'm getting Tide commercials and... Right. Real commercials now on the app. Not I'm not seeing previews well, for other shows at all. Previews yeah. for other shows. And uh, watch Jane the Virgin. You know it won awards. Jane the Virgin won awards. And then uh, are you guys just at home because you didn't go to high school? Go to high school. You know, <laughs> There was a high school commercial, wasn't there? It is. It's the very end of every single CW show. It's the high school commercial about the 55-minute mark. Primavera Online High School. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. so we're all getting the exact same ad. They gotta tailor those better. I gotta let how we all I got a all Spanish direct TV okay. ad I think, one week. <laughs> I think his his point though is that it's uh it's real advertisers and not yeah. just in network advertising right. of like this is our own proprietary yeah. app and these are our other shows. Please watch our other shows too. Instead, yeah. they're getting money, they're getting, you know, funding from these advertisers. So they just need to make those numbers public. Otherwise, they're just it's bragging rights. They have to they have to connect with Nielsen and have them put together a category where they they take into account all of their content. So yeah. they have to find a way to connect the Nielsen ratings and what's public to include the app and any other ways that uh, people are finding the show. I mean, there used to be pirate data. Is there pirate data anymore, Bob, that you know of? There used to be uh, the regular ratings. And, and then, then like there was how many illegal downloads. Yeah. Th those things. I'm sure that's out there because yeah. we hear it every year. It's like, uh, you know, uh, it was Game of Thrones. For Game years. of Thrones is the most pirated yeah. TV show ever. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I have not watched live television um unless i'm at like my mom's house or something oh. 
since Is it I... because she's old? Is that what you're saying? Only no. old people watch live she's television? She's got bunny ears. Oh. No, no, God, no. No, they have <laughs> they have DirecTV and they have a DVR and like that's all good and well. But um, but God, yeah, they 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 don't even have Netflix. They use Netflix when they stay at one of like my stepsister's houses or something mm-hmm. like it's that's it. But other than me being there or maybe at someone else's house that happens to have it, I haven't had live like DirecTV or cable or whatever else in my own home yeah. since I was maybe 20 and I am 28 now. Yeah. It, it's a very strange time uh, for audiences because it's a very, it's a, it, it's um technology has changed the way things are viewed. And for some reason, our rating systems <laughs> are back in the day have not caught up to this. And yet it's been a thing now, like Lauren just said for eight years, she has not watched live television, even People like us, Bob, who it's, are it's older, two years now, and the older demo, we've we've cut the cord, as they call it, and we don't even use traditional cable or satellite. We're using internet services now, and they don't even provide the CW as a ch- channel option to begin with. Uh, it's so uh, it, it's just a fucked up situation. Yeah, it's uh, they're the gold standard, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, it, that's an outdated way of measuring money. It's not there anymore. Figure something else out. And hopefully these guys are spinning it to their. Yeah, we need to go to a very quick break. We'll be right back. Blimey. This is one out of a jam jar you got here. I thought we gave the Englishman to the time pigs. DC on CW. We'll be right back. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. Say do you? I don't think I do. <laughs> Good God. I'm just amazed that Tony could fall asleep during a show. I know. I, I didn't. Ex- Is he awake right now? I can't see him. His eyes are too squinty. I'm not certain. <laughs> oh, that's racist. <laughs> that should be a meme. That should be a meme. Could someone take a picture of Tony and say, okay. I'm, not, I'm not sure if he's sleeping or if he's just Asian. I'll sneak him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking off into the horizon. I'll Are sneak you? a picture later. Maybe that's why I didn't know he was asleep. You thought I was, he was looking off into the, the horizon. I thought it was just Asian eyes. Yeah. <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. Well, I'm not plotting to kill Barry Allen. I'm listening to Ryan Denton on Rain Man Digital's DC on CW. Yeah. Since Stephen Amell. Yeah. I mean, I just like, it's been a while since like that photo. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was, well, I also got to take a photo of John Barrowman and he like butt touched. And because his photo, weird. his photo shoots are the best. Like, because he's such Cause a, a butt touch. Because of butt touches. Uh, like, okay. Well, no, make sure like, I don't make sure I sign up no, next time. Does he, he does, do front touches? He, I think he might. You just have to ask him. He's because like, he comes you out and he's like, anything goes. Touch. He anything comes out to the goes. crowd. And he's like, anything goes except for like mouth to mouth. So I can go ask the mouth? You can. Basically. You could ask. <laughs> wow. I think you I'm going to dock with them. <laughs> Request that for a photo op, Bobby. I'll pay you top dollar. Get ready, John Barrowman. Check out the new DC fan show, DC on CW. Covering topics from The Arrow, The Flash, and the new upcoming television show, Legends of Tomorrow. Head over to RainmanDigitalMedia.com to get more details. Politic 3 program is reinstated. Open Sesame! Yeah, I'm just going to mind meld with you and I'm going to take your thoughts. My thoughts to your thoughts and your thoughts... Your thoughts? Your thoughts. Your thoughts to mine. Well, just, just don't uh, look into the corner where, you know, the the fantasy of Guinan in my dark mind is right there. But Guinan? <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's so many other hot women in Star Trek. Go for Guinan? <laughs> wow, David. Jesus. Guinan was hot, man. Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? She is so... Ugh. <laughs> Wow, David. I like to learn under her. Oh. You want to get inside of her skirts? Her <laughs> giant Amish-like robes? <laughs> just like, that, that's the thing. It's the mystery. What's no, underneath that? I don't need to know what's underneath that. <laughs> Michelle Forbes? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Dr. Crusher in the movies? Yes. 
It, but it's the mystery. It's the mystery. I You're like how going. You know, is there a big booty? David, there? some mysteries are better off never known. <laughs> never known. Star Trek from the holodeck, exclusively on Rain Man Digital. Go to RainmanDigitalMedia.com or Patreon.com/slash RainmanDigital. End simulation. You're listening to Rain Man Digital's DC on CW. All right, welcome back, everybody. Welcome to DC on CW, the Legends of Tomorrow edition. It is time to jump into this week's full discussion and breakdown on Season 4, Episode 2, Witch Hunt. All right, this episode was directed by Kevin Mock and written by Kito Shimizu and Matthew Mala. All right, so this week we had some unusual pairings, and that's not necessarily a, a new thing. Part of the success of the series has been the unexpected and bizarre and the unusual team ups are no different when it comes to that. Now, the great thing about this show is that it does manage to take those bizarre and um, unusual moments and make it work for our characters and story. For example, this week we saw Nate and Ava team up in order to save the Time Bureau from shutting down. And this was a great way to do some dual purpose development. Uh, Nate and his family issues was explored this week in a, a very unexpected way. And having his father be at the center of that, of all of that, I, I feel is a, is a, is a win and a genius stroke of writing to keep things tidy. It also sets up the possibility that Nate may be on his way out. What are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like they were in fact saying something or are they just trying to keep it interesting for us? Nate can't go. <laughs> that's exactly how i felt the yeah. way ray felt when he turned his when he was walking I away i don't i don't want to think about it uh, oh uh, okay you, you sure but you don't want to let's we're going on, let's go home we're going home come on i think that is how all of us felt did that take you by surprise that they introduced that idea or, or did you guys not even get that from that no <laughs> You didn't get that, Nate? No, 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 no. Oh. We, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it, it so was you guys were surprised. Yeah, I did not expect that. We kept saying, "Who, who did we all say was going to leave?" Ray, Ray, and Nate would take his place as the quirky, upbeat, nerdy guy. And uh, we also haven't seen Nate like steal up in a while. Yeah, it, like a long time. Like he just doesn't do it when they're out on missions anymore. I it's actually like, forgot he does that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like, no, the whole time superpower. The whole time when he was talking to his dad, I'm like, "Why don't you just get hard?" I'm like, "That just sounds weird." Uh, <laughs> that whole get hang hard, on, get hard part of your dad. Hang on, dad, I just got to get hard really uh, quick. It's, just, it's not working. Son, don't get hard in front of me. That whole entire sequence was was mildly disturbing. He's holding Ray as a pig. <laughs> Who turns into naked I, Ray? Did, I saw that coming, and it still was funny, even though I knew what was going to happen. I'm like, you know what's going to happen? He's going to become a human, and Nate is going to be holding a naked man. And sure enough, if you if you could imagine it, legends will do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I think they missed on there is that at first when they're talking and he's as he's a pig, I'm like, how the fuck is he understanding them? And I've watched the show from the beginning, and I had to think, oh, I forgot they have those earpieces that do the translations. Mm-hmm. So the people that are coming in to watch Constantine or whatever for the first time are like, how the fuck's that dude yeah. talk to pigs? Yeah. Like, his his superpower is Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Amaya left. <laughs> yeah. My, he, she, yeah. Sexually transmitted superpowers? Oh. <laughs> Would you fuck all kinds of people if you could take over their powers? Um, does it become a part of you or do you do it? Do you actually get rid of it? Right. I, that's a great question. Because I, if it becomes a part of you. If it's temporary, then no, probably not. Like if you could get powers from my dick. Oh my. What? What kind of. Just saying. You try to take a page from the Legends writers and just come up with some bizarre idea and make it work. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean. I'm yeah. pretty sure I'd go gay for superpowers. Yeah, that's maybe but well, certain superpowers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. So let's bring it back. I was a little nervous uh, initially uh, about this subplot, as I was talking about, where it would go on and how it would n- never connect to the main story. And they didn't waste any time whatsoever. And they did all this while also creating, as I was saying, a few potential new directions for Nate. Um, 
again, it looks like they may be setting him up to depart. If they do plan to remove Nate from the board, at least this fits with what we've seen over the last two episodes. Nate's desire to reconnect with his father. You know, he had that relationship with Amaya. They've always managed to really give some fine, nuanced development to Nate. So I feel like if this is his way out, if this is his end, I feel like it works for what we know of him and and what's important to him as well. I agree with you. Um, but it's kind of, it just feels like it's time for Ray to get the same treatment. <laughs> You're really advocating Ray. No, get... Ray out. I love him, but like we we've talked about this before. It's just yeah. it feels like it's time for him to get that that family environment and everything. Like every relationship of his has just gone down in a terrible yeah. sinking ship. And there's just no like he talks about wanting to find someone and settle down. It's sad. Yeah. I want my Ray to get his happy ending. Ray's probably like a <laughs> Yeah. Um <laughs> Ray's probably like I, I I'll take a job. And being, you know, 2018. The only yeah. problem is he's dead in that time. Oh, that's right. But why not work for a secret government facility that's and not true. have to worry about it? If I had to choose Ray or Nate at this point, I love Brandon Ralph and I love what he's done with Adam. But he's been doing this now for about seven years. Yeah. And um, they've really explored his story in a way that a, in a way that a lot of characters don't get this type of opportunity going through various shows. He's a lot like Sarah. He's one of the OGs. Uh, he had to start way before the, the conception of this show, but yeah, his story, I, I don't want to say they can't go further with him. I think they could, but at the same, same time, his story has been told and it feels rather complete. And he, he's got everything he wanted. He wanted to become something important and relevant in time. He wanted to be remembered. He wanted to be a hero and nobody can take that away from him. He's been all those things. He even got a medal that he can't show people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> His, uh, it would be better to see him leave than Nate. Nate, I almost feel like we need one more chapter for him. Yeah. Yeah. One more chapter. And then I would be okay with them saying goodbye. Do you think like Brandon as an actor has kind of like thrown away that Superman persona can go out there and do real jobs again? Oh man, that's that's something I think about a lot with these type of actors, and uh, because I can remember seeing him on like Hallmark Christmas specials as like the firefighter guy, and you still looked at it as Superman. And I know he's done other things, yeah. but I don't know. You I think he's been typecast in a way. Is that what you're saying? I, yeah, I think yeah. so. He does. I mean, he played a pretty good villain in um, Chuck. I think it's called. Is that the dumb Zachary Quint, uh, yeah. Levi? He played a villain for a season and a half and he was convincing. Okay. God, I forgot about that. He and I 2010. Chuck. Yeah. And he took that on because he wanted exactly what you brought up. In an interview way back in 2009, he was uh, saying that he thought his career was going to be, you know, an ex it did explode, but not in the way he wanted. You know, after the whole Superman role, he thought that was it that he made it and then he realized that he had to kind of rebuild himself and rebrand who he is as an actor and that's why he took on that role on Chuck because he has a little bit of the good guy feel but when he turns it on to bad guy mode it's convincing so he is capable of doing other things uh, although Brandon Ralph might have just gotten comfortable now his wife's a part of the the yeah. show now and they're obviously building a story arc just for her it feels like if it becomes a family thing, hey, we're going to be in it for the long haul. As long as you're going to have me here, I'm going to stay. It's yeah. an easy paycheck. Right? Nothing wrong yeah. with writing out the paychecks. Yeah. So overall, the Nate stuff was very well written and it pushed his story in a new direction. As I was saying, for the last couple of years, we've seen Nate's problems kind of pop up uh, from not being strong enough to being in love with a woman with a very different destiny as now is father issue. So it's, it's definitely setting up something nice for us. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Um, we also had a key moment with Zari and we, uh, we previewed this at the top of the show. I'm just not sure how I feel about her. I personally struggle and I constantly go back and forth with how I feel about her. And this episode is no different. 
And although I, I get her problem, dealing with the death of her family and being a part of a team that literally travels back in time, I get it. And that she can't even save her family when she has all the, the tools at her disposal. The problems the writers have created for her are logical. So I don't have a problem with the writing. The writing of her character isn't necessarily the issue. For me, she's just a bit she's a bit overly militant at times and it comes off as immature and rash. It it reminds me of Sarah's struggle a bit. I feel like it's unbridled and at times unjustified and erratic. Like, did she not learn her lesson last year? I thought that was her whole arc. No, she kind of didn't. I think there was something about it last season that was half-hearted. You know, she was like, okay, fine, I can't do it. Like, she was so much colder and sarcastic and shitty last season. You know, like, she was just like, all right, She was unlikable, yeah, for quite a while. Yeah, and she warmed up a lot towards the end of the season, but I, I, it still felt like she didn't quite grasp it. Grasp why you can't just save people, and I think she needed to become the villain in someone's eyes for that to happen. And it feels like she finally grasped it, you know. And because she, she last episode she didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. She watched her mom pushing her on the swing. She did not go up to her and warn her when it when it came down to it. She did not interfere with her own life and her own history, and and she didn't alter that event that would have just screwed up a ton of things. So, like, she was starting to get it, but she was frustrated, and I and she lashed out this episode um, because she felt for a young girl who was going to lose her mother, very much like herself losing her own family, and. She lashed out. She thought she was doing the right thing. She she thought in terms of saving people is the right thing to do. If we can step in and stop someone from dying, why shouldn't we? Okay, time. We get it. She's she's screwed <laughs> with time so many yeah. times. Um what? None. I'll let you finish. <laughs> I mean, do do you feel like that we need to regurgitate this story? Do, that's no. I think that's what I'm saying. It's like last year I I was a was I feel like was a perfect opportunity for them to give it closure. And I I think that moment we had in last week's episode that you brought up could have been maybe the nail in the coffin and her her coming to terms with this is how it is. This is what it means to make a sacrifice. This is what it means to, you know, to be a superhero. And then we saw her kind of make the same mistake again this week, getting involved with that. Do you think this will be the end of it? Or are we going to keep seeing this go on throughout the rest of the season for Zari? Is this her storyline for the year? I think the issue is last year we saw her break the timeline once and take, you know, to Wonder Woman Island. I want to try to pronounce it. Yeah. There you go. Um, And I think that's one of the things. It's like, well, what's different? I can break the rules here. You know, and and once you let somebody do it, it's like when we talk about a superhero kills somebody. Yeah. They're going to, why not? I already killed that person. Might as well kill this person. And I've already broke the rules here. Why is it different here and then here and here and mm-hmm. here? And like, when it's not your own life, when you're not putting yourself at risk of, oh, I don't know, not existing or something like that, it's easier to interfere in someone else's life. And I think this this is finally like, it's that final nail in the coffin yeah. of, I get it. Okay. And it's not just about, you know, saving people. It's like I looked at these people and they really didn't understand what was going on. They really were just acting out of fear because they were afraid for themselves and their lives. And like, yeah, it's pretty messed up. But that, you know, that woman was right. And she was making a sacrifice so that other people wouldn't have to. So I think she, I think she finally is is getting it, and and Sarah being understanding instead of just criticizing her, um, really made it sink in more. Yeah, I feel I, like. Yeah, I like that moment quite a bit with Sarah because it just shows how much she's grown as a character. They didn't give her a whole lot this week outside of action, but with a character like that, those little moments is all you really need, with an exception of a few episodes here and there that are all about you, but. I mean, she's kind of fallen into that, uh, the the lead, as we always say, but she's, you know, the lead of an ensemble cast. And as long as they give her those little moments throughout each episode, I think that's, um, I think they do right by that character. And just a little moment like that shows how much, how much better of a leader she is than Rip ever was. Yeah. And how she's a natural born 
boss that she 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 knows what she's doing and not just because she can call shots on action and saying all right we're gonna do this and that you know coming up with all the plays but now she even shows uh you know evidence of of being diplomatic and then also like this week having empathy yeah she's a real leader we've been watching this character since what season two of arrow yeah and uh She's grown so much from a character that I found just stiff and All of honestly did, yeah. boring. Well, I didn't think she was from this country because of her <laughs> accent at one time. It was called a mushmouth. I've yeah. never called her mushmouth on air. That's not a place and that's not some island. <laughs> that's not? Mush island? But, <laughs> that's not where the Cosby kids come from? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. Um, but now she's this incredible leader of a team she's like you said she can be diplomatic she can be empathetic she can be you know just fiercely loyal to her team she's amazing and well-rounded and she's broken out of her shell a little bit and isn't like too cool for school she'll make some terrible puns and join in the the cheesiness now and then yeah um but not so much that it feels out of character for her because she's still a little stiff about it right um and it's great. And then you're right. That's all we need from a character like that is she doesn't need to be the absolute center of each episode. As long as she comes in and characters come to her and she's right. that that leader. Yep. Yeah. I really, really like what they have done with her. And every episode they managed to make Sarah just that much better. And uh, hopefully we never have a discussion on whether or not she will be leaving. Yeah. I think it, the entire show would kind of lose something if we if we ever get rid of her at this point. The captain goes down with the ship. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now let's move into some Constantine territory. This week's myth arc connection and I get monster of the week or baddie of the week was more connected and a bit loosely but definitely rested on Constantine's shoulders. Uh, There are some big questions about Constantine and his true intentions and what or who is chasing after him. And after the way last week's episode ended, it got Constantine thinking and possibly even afraid. Fear is not something Constantine will ever admit, but he is a guy that wants to live. And being a survivor is a fair way to assess Constantine as a character. Either way, though, it doesn't really matter. I don't think we really need to know exactly what's going on internally. But either way, the writer writers are keeping John's intentions and the whole darkness rising aspect a bit ambiguous at the moment, which works to maintain the mystery of the season. And I'm okay with that. And, you know, we'll we'll talk theories and speculate a bit at the end of the show. But first, I want to focus on what we do know. And we kind of we've kind of skimmed over this last week. But now that we got a little bit more, I think we can form some more solid thoughts on on what's going on, the John Constantine equation. So let's start with his reluctance to join the legends. All right. So John is an asshole. I think all of us in the studio at this point understand that. But he also plays it up. And he's a bit of, you know. He's a softy. He is. Absolutely. But he's also a good person. And he always seems to be trying to fix the wrong and seek recompense. Now, this version of Constantine is no different. And according to continuity, he's still wanting to atone for accidentally sending that child to hell. There's still no closure on that. And they even brought it up last season during Legends. So not wanting to be a part of a group makes sense. And the way he overstated that at the tail end of last week's episode to Sarah, all of it feels consistent with everything we know of this, this John Constantine. Uh, John has repeatedly pointed out his own, you know, sordid history that anyone he has called a friend and trusted him eventually dies. Uh, There's also trust issues as well and not wanting to become more vulnerable than he may already be. So there's a lot to consider when it comes to Constantine's character. Do you like that they're baiting us a bit? Do you think we should have learned a bit more about what's happening with him or do you think the way they did it this week was just enough to let us know that we didn't forget about it here's that little nugget i think i think it was the right amount i mean because honestly at the end of the day this is still an ensemble show yep and you have to see how constantine is blending in and, and integrating with this crew most of whom he doesn't really know beyond his short interactions with them on a couple missions you right. know it's mostly he knows sarah 
they hooked up. Like they, they're friends with each other and the rest of them. Yeah. We, we teamed up for a thing here, a thing there. That's it. Yeah. Um, and so now they're, they're like cohabitating in the wave rider and he and Rory are not getting along like this. So we've got to see how he's integrating with the crew. Um, it's not Constantine and the legends. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's what they got to remember. Yeah, exactly. And I think they're doing a good job with that. Cause that's something what we all expressed a similar thought. I believe in the last week's episode, we said, Hey, you know what? This is a legends show. This isn't Constantine. And we don't want to ever lose sight of our legends. Mm-hmm. And I feel like them essentially keeping him in the center for the most part works without distracting us from the rest of our characters as well. So I, I particularly like what they did. Um, but the questions I feel is, is the, the most fun part of this episode for me. Um, what do you think made him change his mind? Is he doing it for self-preservation? Is he running or is he doing it because he knows possibly the legends are in over their head? I, I think he's actually running. Yeah. He, okay. he doesn't seem to be one. Cause if he wasn't running, he would have accepted the invitation right away. Right. And when, you know, the bloody handwriting comes on the glass and he gets mm-hmm. thrown around, I think it changes everything in his mind. Like, well, maybe if I can't run from hell, I can go from time to time and be in this area where hell can't get me. That and with the end of the episode, um, well, towards the end, mm-hmm. when the fairy godmother right. um, <laughs> says, no, I I will not attach myself to you, John Constantine. I know who's coming after you and he is worse than hell. I would rather face hell than be damned alongside you. Yeah. They were him coming after they you. They were laying it on thick, but I feel like it worked, especially oh, coming totally. from a character that was for the most part, not very, it didn't really instill fear, but to see how she turns like that. And mm. she, I don't know if it's a warning or a threat or a little bit of just enjoyment that she's taunting him either way to see her do that as well was fucking cool. Were you guys put off by the fairy godmother? Or did you know what to expect? I mean, it's legends. Yeah. <laughs> I, I personally like what they did with her because um, it maintained the levity of legends. But then when it came down to it, they were able to, to bring her to the forefront in what she really is something evil a parasite is what constantine referred to her as being so but also to see that he was willing to (laughs) he was willing to bond with her as well i thought was a very interesting goes back to would you fuck for superpowers (laughs) (laughs) it's also it's also a very constantine thing to do self-preservation he will allow a demon or whatever to attach themselves to him if he so needs it to survive we saw him do that in constantine season one on nbc when he you know invoked that demon and invited that demon into his body um because he knows how to deal with it and how to you know release it or exercise it or have someone else do it um so he's not afraid to do that to preserve himself and to survive. So I think he, I, I agree with Bob. He's absolutely on the run and he is trying to get ahead of this thing yeah. before he gets killed or, you know, taken to hell or whatever, whoever is coming after him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And- I, I, I like what they did. And uh, the fairy godmother aspect, I felt like her portrayal was spot on. And I can't recall if they ever had a fairy godmother character in one of the comic books. I don't think so. However, she still fits into the Constantine baddie archetype. Everyone evil knows of John Constantine and his reputation. And almost everyone never wants anything to do with him. So I love that they did that as well. Clemmer obviously has done his research to understand the basics, you know, Constantine 101. And even the show itself, he understands what that show was about. I wouldn't doubt that he went back and rewatched those episodes, not just once, but numerous times to understand what that story was and also to capture the essence of this particular Constantine. So everything directly pertaining to Constantine fits perfectly for me. It feels like a typical comic book story with Constantine as as the guest. You don't change the world just because a new character enters. And the important part is that you stay true to the character itself. 
And I feel that that's exactly what Clemmer has done. He's not about to change his show. No. This isn't the Constantine show. And I, I love how they just bring him in. And I think the most important part, as long as they stay true to that character, then the, the rest is background noise when it comes to those Constantine fans out there that want a more darker, brooding, angry Constantine. It's about him. If he's good, then if he's portrayed well, that's all that matters. And we'll get our darker episodes throughout Absolutely. the season. They go back and forth. So yeah. um, I, I got to say, I really like how much more comic booky they they've made Constantine. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot. It's not a huge shift because his comics are dark and, and all of that. But it's the little things like, you know, his eyes glowing and the uh, like it. the little like glyphs and mm-hmm. sort of like um, ritualistic Things that come up when he starts casting spells. I love that choice that they made. I agree because they got away from that in the Constantine TV show. In fact, I think Bob and I might have discussed this where they were a lot more willing to use visual effects in the opening two or three episodes. Mm -hmm. And then as the season went by, we went several episodes without anything really big or flashy. Whereas with Legends, that's a great point, Lauren. We're getting those comic book moments we're getting to see more of a of a super powered constantine Mm -hmm. i like that it's cool especially when he does that those the devil's trap that looks surprisingly good my point is that legends is kind of hit or miss with some of their visual effects and they're nailing most of the visual effects connected to constantine yeah i agree yep all right so that being said let's speculate all right it seems apparent that John knows what's after him, but that doesn't mean, as I said, we all do. I have some ideas, and my initial thoughts were that they were connected to his TV show. I think, I think it has to be, especially because the chosen verbiage, the rising darkness. I don't think anybody can disagree with that. Now, I have three people on my list here of potentials of who could be after him. The first one, I don't have much confidence in it, but I'm going to say it would make a lot of sense. Manny is the first person that came to mind. Yeah. Especially with how things were left open-ended on Constantine's solo show. Can you guys see them introducing a uh, an angel into Legends? Nothing is off the table with Legends. <laughs> I that as well like, yeah, yeah they can definitely do it seeing an angel fly would make perfect sense but then is that really the world of legends is that what we're going to do now I think they can make it work but are they ready to take that jump I don't know but I mean they could make it work for at least a you know an arc or something um, they'd all be like an angel like like a real like the wing but, but, but we, he, we've established the wings too okay but we can can't see. see Manny, though. Not everybody sees Manny. I think if he That's wants true. to be seen, right? Yeah, if he wants to be seen, yeah. And also, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, so he couldn't be the villain, I guess. But I'm sure the- he can make himself be seen. Also, I can't remember the ending of of the the final episode of, of Constantine's... He, let's go Papa Midnight. What's that? He releases Papa Midnight. And then he yeah. takes off into the heavens, right? And says that he's in charge of the... The the, the brewery, yeah, yeah, okay. The so I, <laughs> yeah, that one too. <laughs> so that was such a a major open ended aspect, and to see that he kind of is, I mean, connected to the rising darkness, and he's in charge of the the brujeria. I think that would make sense. And um, if they didn't say the rising darkness, then it's anybody's guess. It could be any one of the thousands of villains or thousands of individuals that Constantine has screwed over in source material. <laughs> but if they brought that word, the rising darkness, I have to think and, and, and tell me if you guys disagree. I have to think that they are drawing a direct connection to the, the going ons in the first season of Constantine. Right. I mean, that's, that's what we thought, too. Yeah, yeah, it has to be. It has to be. All right. So my second one would also make sense. Nergal. Uh, he was the demon from Constantine's TV show that took the child to hell during the Newcastle disaster. Now, he's a big deal in the Constantine world. He's a Babylonian god turned demon and one of Constantine's most dangerous and persistent enemies, uh, only rivaled by the first of the fallen. That's another of his enemies. 
Nurgle's history is just as long as Constantine himself as well from the comic books. His first appearance was in Hellblazer issue number six. And many fans of Constantine say that Nurgle is to Constantine what Lex is to Superman and the Joker is to Batman. So if that's the vibe within the Constantine circles, then that would also be a good pick. But it also kind of prevents them from introducing this villain from into another iteration of a Constantine story down the road. If you take away, you know, you take away the the huzzah and the excitement of this character. So do you see that happening as well? Uh, I don't think so. Not if it's that at that level, because I don't want to see. Didn't we already see a demon, right? Well, last year. Yeah, but no, I'm just saying I don't want to see a major like villain for Constantine show up and be part of the uh, legends. You would like to save it, right? Uh, yes, I would rather yes. see them yeah. save it. Yes. Okay. So again, on the same page, same thing, Lauren. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's like I, it's almost like bringing like like bringing Lex Luthor to Supergirl. I almost <laughs> want it to be like. Papa kinda, Midnight in Hell or okay. like a demon. That like sounds like one. an awesome like Friday the thirteenth prequel. <laughs> I like it. Papa, Papa Midnight, Midnight in Hell. Hell. Okay, so that's my number my number four. Papa Midnight. Uh he's an on again, off again nemesis and sometimes friend of Constantine. He's also less likely to be the person actually after John, but he could be connected in some way. Because that was also open ended. And Papa Midnight is a major player in the Constantine world. So that could be one. And then the final one is the the first of the fallen. And I'm not sure if they can make this fit into Legends world. So this one is on the actually the bottom of my list. So any other theories from your end, Bobby, Lauren, any other wish list of hopes? My wish list has always been Manny. Okay. I mean, I wanted to. I want to finish that story. I want to see. Has to. I want to see something happening with that, and and it's it's weird because I wouldn't have said that if we never watched the show. Yeah, and like I'm okay with it not picking up right after the show. Like it makes sense that things would have happened, things progressed. I'm okay with that story having progressed considerably. Maybe Manny's fallen now. Maybe you know what I mean. Like. There's cool things they could do, but I want to mm-hmm. I want to see him again. And I want to see John's anger at having been betrayed by him. Yes. So again, all of us are on the same page. I think Manny needs to be the one. And that's actually the big push on social media as well. The John Constantine hashtag circles. It's Manny. You got to bring Manny. That's what everyone's saying is connected to that that mirror that he's the one talking to him. Now, he called him Johnny, too, didn't he? At yeah. times. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be sweet. And it doesn't even need to be the same actor either. If they can't get him on, on the CW. I take whatever form I want. Yeah, that's an easy fix and a very common one that mm-hmm. you see in comic books. Angels taking their own uh, different forms, different vessels. So I'm excited. I like having these types of uh, questions posed at the beginning of a season. It, it keeps you more invested and you want you instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to wait. And I'll watch this episode in two weeks. You want to watch it right away. Yeah, definitely. You want to see what's coming next. And again, I think part of the our excitement from it, and Lauren, you can speak for yourself, is we covered it over the summer. Yeah. yeah. And so I, these are all fresh ideas in my head that I'm ready to see the, the ending of. And yeah. I think that's why I want to see it the most. I'm ready now. Yeah. <laughs> do it now. All right. So let's uh, do final thoughts. Let's start with Lauren. Um, I love legends. That's mostly it. No, um, I, I'm loving how they're, they're dealing with Constantine. Um, and they're obviously showing how he gets along with certain members of the team and he's not going to get along with the other asshole on the ship. Yeah. Um, unsurprising, but glad they're dealing with that. Mm -hmm. Um, he's clearly the same Constantine we know it's, he's, He's running from something and he needs to get ahead of it and doesn't quite want to admit that he's like running yet. But um, it's this is a prime example of them being able to juggle multiple characters and multiple storylines successfully. Yes. Which is something that so many shows struggle with and they continuously do it well. Yep. And they nail it every time. Yeah. 
Um, all the visuals were great. They were mostly pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Zari finally understands and is going to stop being a shithead about like, well, why can't we save every person? I hope so, Lauren. I hope you're right. <laughs> Don't get my hopes up. But yeah, I mean, it's just another solid episode for Legends. Yeah. Bob. For me, uh, it was the creativity of turning the fairy godmother into what they did. <laughs> that was just so entertaining. The the like, oh fuck, she's gonna sing. You know, the, the, those moments are what I watch Legends for. I know it's a catchy tune, no? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're just it. like, oh, she's singing. This is awesome. And I, it just makes me smile and laugh. And the more absurd, the better. And that's that's what I look forward to. And they've brought in John, and again, I'm happy that they haven't changed the 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 show, the dynamic, because yeah. you don't want that. No, you know, it's not. It's the Legends of Tomorrow again. Like I said, it's not John Constantine featuring the Legends. Yeah. So well, that's why it's smart to to just use him as the myth arc because it keeps him in the center but it doesn't make him completely the focus our characters still develop around him mm-hmm. yeah agreed i don't really have much more to add other than the fact that it was a fun episode it was way out there but that's legends of tomorrow i think most people should expect that <laughs> at this point yeah, in the at this game point, what are you doing if if you're surprised by that uh, i love the development of the characters and even though it sounded like i was nitpicky on zari i i do like her i feel like they really made leaps and bounds with their character last season i'm hoping lauren you're right and they do move past that i also like what they did with nate this week quite a bit i i really really enjoy watching his story unfold and to for him to make that connection with his father uh, because you know they didn't set up we didn't really talk about that but that was one of my most favorite parts about this episode outside of the constantine stuff I, I love that even though his father was a a ball breaker, you can still tell that he loved his son and that it frustrated him that he did not get along with him. There was never disdain. It was a frustration. Like, ah, I wish I can connect with him. I wish I can connect with him, but it never works. I, my own bullheadedness gets the best of it. That, so that concludes this week's discussion on Legends of Tomorrow. Season 4, Episode 2. I want to thank everybody for listening. You can find all of our shows, past and present, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Just search DC on CW. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Yeah. And good night. People want cuddles.